Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and complain about its terrible adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi! The two of us write for TheFandamentals.com, the website for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. That's right, check out TheFandamentals.com for all your geeky needs, whether it be news or reviews or podcasts. You can also consider supporting our lovely efforts at Fundamentals Plus. There's a link from the homepage, and that is a subscription service where for just $3 a month, you help cover some of the costs of us writing the website, and in return, you get exclusive content, such as essays, video hangouts, podcasts, uh, as well as a discount on our Fundamentals store, so you can look mm-hmm. as cool as we do, possibly cooler. <laughs> You can look as cool as we sound. You can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or at least you can look as cool as we think we sound. Exactly. I don't, I don't actually think we sound very cool, but that's okay. (laughs) Oh, we definitely sound cooler than we look. (laughs) (laughs) I can agree to that. (laughs) So what are we sounding cool about today, Julia? We are sounding cool about the miscellaneous, extraneous bits of season seven of Game of Thrones. (laughs) That's right. For anyone who doesn't know and has somehow stumbled across this podcast episode, Julia Still and time. I rewatch Game of Thrones episodes one plotlight at a time and yep. write what we call retrospectives about them. That's what we do. But because there's so much to really figure out with these plot lines, what we actually do is talk through them first before writing the essays. So you're about to see much more raw takes of these plot lines Mm. in a conversation form that happened months ago and led us to the point of the essay that we've published also a month ago. You guys to hear some real-time revelations. It's going to be super cool. Yeah. And actually, a thing about this podcast to note also, because for this part, we are talking through the arcs of Sam Tarly, uh, Sander Clegane and the Brotherhood, and Jorah, I think? Yeah. And the thing is, we didn't actually know who we were going to be able to fit into the Dragonstone retrospective we did. So some of this is a little bit repetitive to the podcast you have already heard that I think we call Dragonstalled or Dragonstoned, whatever we call the podcast. Uh, so you've definitely heard us talk about Jorah the Andal before at the Brotherhood Without Banners, but now I you get it. I just want to know focused. if there's actually Andals on Bear Island, if it's just some kind of like weird happenstance of history <laughs> that put them there. I'm very curious about it. Also, ooh, ooh, I don't even... God, I should have prepared a little bit better for this. <laughs> part one of the essay covered those people I just mentioned. It's possible part one of the podcast covers other people, maybe? Yeah, because we weren't sure we where to put the Dornish characters. Like, I think we, like, moved them from one bit to another quite a bit. Yeah, so, so you might get to hear about them too, and oh my gosh, it's so exciting and so meaningful. You might also get to hear about some Greyjoys and or Olena. So uh, it's a treat. It's a mystery. <laughs> it will be dramatically satisfying. 
Uh, so well organized. I I will say I think the end product of the essays came out well. I was pretty mm-hmm. happy. I I always say I'm pretty happy, but I just had a lot of fun writing this one. We also felt like we were on a clock because we were like, no, we're not going to let it be 2019, and we're still mm-hmm. talking about season seven. So that you know necessity bred something good, I think. Uh, however, because we are in the future recording this intro, we get to talk about current events. What, like the government shut down? No, silly. Like the Game of Thrones teaser trailer that dropped. My government's not shut down. I just wanted to point that out. Okay, thank you, Canada. Yeah. So, Julia, did you watch this incredibly meaningful trailer? No. Okay, I get to explain it to you. Do you, <laughs> do you remember from season six there was a teaser trailer where people sat down on chairs and then Cersei exhaled? Or Cheryl? Was that season six? I thought that was season seven. That was the season oh, seven. Oh, that was season trailer. seven. You know what? I confused my seasons. Because Deadpan oh sits on the sedimentary rock throne. No, 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 no. That was totally season seven. I just said it wrong. Yeah. But do you remember that teaser? Yes. Is this one as thrilling? Well, I'll say it's similar in the f- sense that it's obviously not actual footage from the- Okay. F- it's like to tease a concept. And in this case, the concept is John- Sansa and Arya walking around the crypts of Winterfell, and there's some cool quotes from the past that they're hearing. So John hears a quote from Lyanna saying, like, you have to protect him. Because, you know, remember when Bran saw that in the flashback, even though John didn't know about it. But, you know, it hates. Yeah, because because John is clearly Ned and Lyanna's love child. <laughs> oh, right, right. But, but you know, John, like, that, that voiceover happens as John's passing the, the statue of, of Lyanna down there. Okay. Which, okay. Then Sansa passed passes the statue of cat who is in the winter hell crypt for some reason and the quote about i couldn't love a mother a, a motherless bastard <laughs> what does it have to do with sansa i don't know it actually has to do with john again and at the tail end of that quote aria we see aria so okay and then we see john again and uh-huh. ned's quote about like you may not have my name but you have my blood that one plays uh-huh so it's all about John. It's all about and, John. Anyway, then the camera's like doing this like swoopy swivelly thing and they meet in the middle. And then there's like suddenly the dead are coming and there's suspense. You don't see them, but you could tell that something bad is coming that way. And they kind of like run from it, I think. I don't remember the staging and I didn't rewatch it. But okay. they, they move away from it and they turn and they come face to face with three statues of the crypts. And it's them. Oh, so it's like that whole thing with the House of Dark and Vague. Yes! With all the death masks. Yes, yes, yes. I used that as the banner for uh, the write-up that I did on this. Ah. Uh-huh. So uh, all these hot takes are out there now going like, oh, does this mean that John's Targ lineage won't matter that much? Like, probably, but not for the reason you think. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, does this mean that they're in mortal peril? Uh Yeah. Ma- Maybe or maybe not. It's whatever they decide. I love how everybody who like goes on about John's half targness is also it's kind of tends to forget that his other half is not Targ. It might also matter. You know. Yeah. You bring up a compelling point. <laughs> anyway, this sounds like an incredible teaser trailer. I cannot wait for season eight. When is season eight? Oh God, April nineteenth. I just made that up, but it's like mid-April. Mid-April. Pick a Sunday. It's probably that one. Mm. Uh, okay. How do we even prepare for this? 
I don't think we can. Mentally, how do we get there? Even the rewatch is burning me out. We're in the good years. It's only, it's only what, six episodes, but the last one is like a movie. We can do it. I'll I'll buy a bottle of tequila (laughs) and maybe like some red velvet cakes from my local no frills. A bottle of tequila is not going to last the season. I'm a pretty cheap date. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Anyway, should we hop into Sam? You know and what? All his meaningfulness. Let's do that. Let it, let us hippity hop right now. <laughs> it's just like grad school. Right, Julia, do you know what time it is? It's time to get the fuck out of here, Kylie. Fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> well, first, we have to go over some fandom nicknames. All right, okay. Um, We hardly use any in our notes. The one that we like really use all the time without fail is Princess Filaria and the Fakes. <laughs> Princess Filaria like, the Fakes. Like, we've never told, called her anything but Filaria ever. So, in the books, Alaria Sand is this... Nice woman who she's talks like a lot mob. about the futility of revenge. Yeah, she's like this mom. Basically, like, that's her character. She's, like, a maternal figure. But this is obviously some kind of faux Alaria on the show. <laughs> so, Falaria and the Sand Thanks. Fakes. Do you get it? Uh, we also will be referring to Cersei Lannister and Jamie Lannister by their proper show names. The Cheryl proper and names, Larry. yes. And it's Cheryl's Landing is where Cheryl rolls, as everyone knows. There's also the abandoned island of sexual tension that we will sometimes call Dragonstone. (laughs) But be it known that it's abandoned and full of sexual tension. (laughs) Exactly. We may talk about Casterly Castle. That's uh, instead of Casterly Rock, because it was Mm -hmm. so unimpressive. I don't think we're going to talk... You know, we will talk about Olena's cottage uh, instead of what High it says Garden. on the tin. Yeah, it's just yeah, the cottage where she lives. It's just her cottage. I love the exterior shots of High Garden as Larry's walking through it because it's just like shrubs. It's just shrubs. <laughs> People just like moving like massive piles of gold, <laughs> like gold bullion. <laughs> <laughs> However, there yes. is the finest higher. Uh, <laughs> higher ed establishment in the land old town state old town state yeah it's um it's a university where you learn things like the fighting white ravens yeah how to slop soup and how to perform complicated medical procedures there's also a restricted section of the library (laughs) it's called the restricted area which makes it very different from (laughs) harry potter and there's absolutely nothing like Harry Potter at all about any of the scenes. And there's definitely not an actor from Harry Potter there. It's not like filmed like Harry Potter. It's fine. Okay. What, we what do else? refer to the Brotherhood without banners as the Brotherhood with vague continuity since yes. they've had continuity, like they've been heading in the same direction for two years now. So yeah. that's continuity. Uh, and traveling with them is someone that we're probably just going to call Sandor or the Hound, but he's really the canine. Yeah, that's his official fandom name. Because yeah. he's like the hound, but not really. He's just kind of this, like, jerk who's mean to people, but, like, has a tragic backstory, I guess. <laughs> like, the actor tries. Um, Daenerys is almost definitely going to be referred to as deadpan. Yeah, that's what we call her. And that 
idiot king of the north is Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Cardboard. I don't think we'll be talking about Varys Marks. There's really not much to read, Trevor, that we haven't already touched on. No, there isn't. The other. The Iron Boar, we might say instead of Ironborn, because of their boorish. Boorish. <laughs> and then Yara is a swashbuckling bisexual. Yep. As confirmed. In, in By her dialogue. Yeah, and I actually don't think there's too much more... We really, really don't call Euron Eurovision, no. even though his outfits kind of look like that. Pretty and then uh, Olena is the Dowager Sastress. Yeah, we just don't call her that anymore either. No. Uh, the Amazing Expandable Baby, we might. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Slughorn. Maester Slughorn. Yes, Maester Slughorn. Archmaester Slughorn. <laughs> He's it's the Archmaester that Sam is I have, under. I have things to say about him. So uh, that's pretty much the fandom nicknames we're going to use. If anything else comes up, we'll try to clarify as we go. And really, in the case of Larry and Cheryl, it's because we can't think of these characters as Cersei and Jamie anymore. It's just yeah. they are Cheryl and Larry. Uh, if it sounded like a very disconnected list of names, that's because it is. Yeah, this is the miscellaneous drawer of podcasts. Yeah, the past two years, things have been very geographically like honed in and easy to talk about for retrospectives. Mm -hmm. But in this case, everyone was kind of scattered. So these are, it's like Sam and the geographical misfits, I think is (laughs) what we're going with. I mean, Uh, like Sam's story is definitely the most like substantive out of all of these. And maybe if we had like more energy, we would like make that an entire thing and then have... A miscellaneous with everyone else, but yeah, we don't. I mean, we don't have the energy anymore. <laughs> we also did like write a retrospective last year about two scenes in Dorne. Yeah, but we always have a lot to say about Dorne. That's- and for that reason, we're actually going to start off by talking through Princess Falaria and the fakes trajectory, letting uh-huh. you know uh, we're going to do kind of a recap analysis, then move on to the next plotline recap analysis. So that's going to be our format for the podcast, almost definitely going to be our format for the retrospective as well, too. Mm-hmm. Just talking through a high level, focusing in on these and saying, hey, what were D&D going for? <laughs> Okay, so the first time we meet Falaria this season is in episode two in that wonderful war planning scene where Tyrion explains his plan. And his plan sucks. Yeah. I mean, and if you want to hear how much his plan sucks, you should listen to our <laughs> podcast on, uh, what did we end up calling it? It was the, oh God. <laughs> We're so well prepared. Dragon stoned. Yes, we called Or dragon stalled. Dragon stalled. Yeah, dragon stoned yeah. was like our working title that we were just like, Nobody's stoned. When do no we call it stoned. that? Okay. But they, they were definitely uh, stalled. Yeah. You might call it arrested development. <laughs> no, no. We don't get any points for that. Uh, oh. Anyway, so Yara wants to attack right away, but the Tyrion is like, oh no, dragons will kill people. And what's relevant here is that Falaria does not give a fuck if people die. She's just like, whatever, it's war, people die. And Tyrion is like, speaking of people dying, didn't you kill my niece? <laughs> what a good transition, Tyrion. Yeah. And Falaria is like, well, she was a Lannister and therefore somehow culpable. And, and Tyrion and they, never bothered to say, wait, wasn't my brother also there? Yeah. And then basically Deadpan tells him to shut up and that's that's it. Falaria's into Tyrion's stupid plan at the end. Well, she's not really into it. She still thinks that not uh, having a fall-on attack is dumb. I don't know. She does she, her evil smirk thing, so she seems pleased. 
Yeah, well, she agrees with Yara, though, that let's just attack right away. We have all the forces. Yeah, it's really anyway, dumb that we're not attacking right now. Yeah, so Tyrion's plan is to lay out a siege that is going to be a lot more humanitarian <laughs> than a full-on attack. Because laying a siege isn't attacking. That's We can't get into how dumb this is, but <laughs> he's not going to lay a siege with foreign troops. He's going to lay a siege with Westerosi troops, meaning the Dornish, the Ironborn, and Olenna's forces from the Reach. Yeah. Good plan, uh, Tyrion. Because the Dornish and the Ironborn are not at all maligned in the eyes of the Westerosi. <laughs> I mean, especially reading George R. R. Martin's latest addition to the canon, you can tell that people have a very, like, you know, well-balanced and neutral view of those two groups. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's that. Uh, I think Falaria was a little like, oh, okay, fine, you're going to be using us? Yeah. That sucks, but, you know... I mean, all they're going to do is, like, sit there while people in King's Landing starve, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll come back to that scene when we talk about Elena, but... And also uh, when we talk about Yara. <sighs> How lovely. Uh, anyway, so later on in that same episode, um, they're just, like, hanging out somewhere, like, I guess, in the Sea of Dorne or... Yeah, they're on the boats, because Yara's ferrying... Yeah. Yara's ferrying... Yes, uh, that Falaria. was part of the plan, that they're going to be mm-hmm. ferried to Falaria to pick up all their... They're going to be ferried to porn to pick up all their troops and then go to King's Landing. So anyway, the Sandfakes are hanging out on hammocks and they're drinking rum because there's like a rum motif running through several episodes. There's so much rum this season. <laughs> I don't know. But doesn't, doesn't Arya drink it like Ed Sheeran gives her rum? No, it's like blackberry wine or something. Isn't oh, it? right, right. He made it himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, Sorry. they're hanging out in hammocks and they're discussing who's going to kill who. And uh-huh. yeah, because they don't know what the siege is, apparently. Yeah, they're, they're just they're yeah, and Tyene is like, oh, my mom is going to want to kill Cersei herself, to kill Cheryl herself, and the other two are like, haha, you love your mother, mama, mama. <laughs> She's always talking about mama. Yeah, and then they threaten to kill each other. Yeah, and it's just so I I don't understand why these characters didn't land with people. I also like. The girl who plays Tyene, I'm sure, is a very talented actor, but I can't describe how bad this accent is this time around. Oh, it's, as, it's getting worse every single time. It's as if they didn't work on it at all for a year and didn't think about it, and then were just shoved in the front of the cameras and said, go. And they're like, wait, how does, how does this accent again? Mother will want to kill Cersei. <laughs> it's really, like, is guys, it's really bad. Like, the accents are really bad. And then it cuts to Falaria below deck with Yara. Yeah, they're also like, with her accent. Oh god! I just, I, I okay. So we're almost done season three on the rewatch, and I think next season when we're watching season four, we're going to have a lot to say about the accent decision. But let's not get into it yeah. now. Okay. So yes. So Falaria uh, and Yara are in the same room, and they're both WLWs. So therefore, they have to make out. That's basically right, so Falaria all there is begins, to the scene. Falaria begins flirting by saying the wine or rum or whatever she's <laughs> drinking is bad, and yeah. that Dornish have better wine. Just probably true. Well, yeah, if you're okay with sulfites, I guess. Um, remember, the, I'm sorry. Remember the Arbor Gold at the, at the Twins? That was red wine. Maybe it's just called Arbor Gold because it's high quality. It's just the label, Arbor yeah. Gold. It's a, it's a fine Pinot Noir by Arbor Gold. 
I'm sorry. Let's stay anyway, focused. Anyway, so... Whatever, Filaria's complaining about the drinks. And yeah. then they discuss, uh, and then they talk about, like, I don't know, they're flirting, right? Yeah, well, they talk about how, like, slutty Yara is. Oh, right, and Filaria orders Theon to get her a drink, and yeah. Yara's like, no, stop, he's not your servant. Yeah, so then she's like, oh, he's your protector, huh? But he's not stopping me from grabbing your crutch. What are you doing? I guess a foreign invasion is underway. Anyway, so our pain is finally mitigated somewhat by the fact that their ship is being attacked. The whole reason they're on their way to King's Landing is that they are not foreigners, right? Good point. We'll talk about it more later. Anyway, their <laughs> ship is mercifully attacked, putting an end to the scene. Yeah, but then we get a scene of all the sand fakes fighting Euron and dying, except for Tyene, who goes to protect her mom, but that doesn't work. And Filaria is all like, kill us now. And the guy's like, <laughs> nope. By the, by the way, the fight is like the most over-rendered, over-CGI'd thing it's I've very seen distracting. No, just like, okay, I, I think we can talk about this in the Iron One. We'll talk about this in the Iron One. Anyway, so the fakes all die except for Tyene. They get killed so by their- two of them die, yes, yeah. Yes, they get killed by their own weapons, which is meaningful. And Falaria and Tyene are captured. And then, uh, next yeah, episode- Do you think Tyene could have done a little bit better if she dropped Hota with a tiny dagger? <laughs> Yeah, but he was, like, facing away from her. The next episode is that the small folk are being given a parade. Yes, yeah, the Sandsnake Parade. That That's it. Floria and Tyene are wearing, like, bikinis. Yeah, well, they, they, they have their, like, robes of sex appeal that they're wearing their H&M bikini tops under. And, like, now their robes of sex appeal are open, so you can see their H&M bikini tops. It, it literally looks like they got the $15 deal on yeah. the summer wear. It's so bad. Anyway, they are led to Cheryl in the throne room. On a leash. On a leash. Uh, Filaria spits at her feet. Yeah, and Yara's like, yo, I got you these gifts. And Cheryl is like, super cool. I'm going to show an emotion. So then later, we find out that they were chained up across from each other in a cell, I guess. And Cheryl comes in wearing (laughs) bubblegum pink lipstick. (laughs) And so she monologues at Filaria for a while. I mean, we covered this quite extensively in uh, our Cheryl, our Cherry Bomb retrospective. Yeah, because it really is about her. It's not about Filaria. She she starts by taunting about Oberyn. It must have been horrible for you to watch him die. Yeah. And then talks about the pain of loss and losing a daughter. And then, hey, so, you know, the the, the, the point is that she's going to kill Tyene in front of Filaria so that Filaria will understand that pain too. Yeah, so she kisses Tyene with her poison ivy lipstick and that's where it's revealed, oh my god, what a shock that she's wearing poison ivy lipstick. And so she explains to Filaria in detail about how like Tyene's gonna die soon but Filaria's gonna be kept alive so she could watch Tyene's body rot. Right? That's it! That's the Dordish plotline in season 7. Yeah, and when Cheryl leaves, you see this whole thing where they're both chained to the wall, but they're, like, trying to get to each other, but the chain's not quite long enough, so they're both, like, in the middle of the room with their arms, like, extended backwards. Mm-hmm. It's so charming. Okay, so that is the end of the Dordish of, on this show, as far as I can tell. So, let's talk through this a little bit. Let's analyze this, Kylie. <laughs> 
Okay, so my burning question is uh-huh. who is ruling porn right now? That's is... your burning question? Clearly, oh, yeah. clearly it's it's Elia Uller. <laughs> okay, so Falaria is an Uller, right? No. She's a bastard, so she's a sand. Did... So she's but... Princess Falaria Sand. I mean, like, was she ever officially the princess? Or was she just, like, the chick who was running things and, like, the monarchy has been abolished? The way the show works is that whoever's around has power. Yeah. So, <laughs> Elia Sand, Princess who Elia. might be, I don't know, might be Princess Elia Sand. There doesn't seem be- to be like any lords in Dorne either. Like they all stayed in King's Landing, I guess. Where <laughs> is Manfrey Martell? Exactly. Where Where is Lord Blackmont? Oh my God, Lady <laughs> Blackmont. Or oh right, because Lord Blackmont was on the. Yeah, yes, thanks for explaining the joke there. Yeah, okay. So the point is, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. I saw saw a theory that What's-His-Face Ironwood is now the ruler of porn. It's like, where are you pulling this out of your butt? Yeah, like the character who's never been mentioned at all. Mm -hmm. And by What's-His-Face, you mean Anders? Yeah, Anders Ironwood. (laughs) The character we've discussed extensively. Arianders. <laughs> Let's not talk about Arianders. <laughs> yeah, no, but that that was like I it was on a, some forum that I read it. it was like, well, it seems pretty obvious it's Anders Ironwood that's leading it now. <laughs> what? Does he have a cartoon accent? Does he wear a yellow turban? Okay, so Yes. Let's actually talk about this plotline. Um Well, there's not much I mean like I think Doyleist, we can talk about how the Sandfake's deaths were so obviously kind of like, this is clearly what the audience wants. So sure. let's make it as unpleasant as possible. Sure. In terms of Falaria being like a violent shit, there's nothing new to discuss there. Well, I think the new thing to discuss there is that Cheryl killing her, or killing Tyene rather, in yeah. that fashion is monstrous. It's yeah. supposed to be framed that way. But more monstrous than killing Madison in the first place, though, like Right. And that's cuz what kind of happens to these snakes, it's poetic justice for all of them, right? But it's you only know? poetic justice because the audience didn't like them. If the audience thought they were badass, then they wouldn't have done that. But it's still them dying to their own weapons and in Falaria's case experiencing you know, what she did to to Cersei. So it's supposed to be poetic, but yet Cheryl's the enemy, or the the antagonist, rather. So we're not supposed to sympathize with it. So it's like they deserved it, but they didn't? Yeah, because, like, porn is still, like, on the good guy side here, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be rooting for Dorne to a certain extent, who the fuck is rooting for these characters? No, because just just because they're on Team Dragonstone. Yeah, we we want tre- Team Dragonstone to do well. Yeah, I, I guess I guess what my point is is that it feels like D and D are trying to have their cake and eat it too. Well, of course, where they have these messed up, you know, fan service deaths. They really are fan service deaths. Everyone yeah. was annoyed by these fakes and and by <laughs> Filaria, and they you know died in this these gruesome ways. But then they also are trying to show how awful Cheryl is. So she gets this villain monologue. But then, you know, killing them in this manner, how is this world's different from Ramsay dying to his own dogs? It's not. No, it's not. 
it's kind of the same. It's kind of like back to what we were saying about last year where the actions of the good guys and the bad guys are the same. It's the marketing that tells us who is right. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess you could argue their intentions. But in this case, their intention is still like they don't like the Lannisters because the Lannisters killed uh, Valaria's boyfriend in like a judicial way. Like, yeah, I'm like, I mean, like, the Martells of the books were mad about Oberyn's death, but they're just like, we kind of don't have a legal leg to stand on. And even Doran was like, yeah, I told him not to do this shit. I mean, like, they do have like a vague sense of like, the Lannisters are responsible for his death. Like, if they had just like, you know, done like, the feudal thing that they were supposed to do after our relative was killed, none of this would have happened. But, but the grievances like, is about nobody the is just like No one's just, like, denying the fact that Oberyn chose to be in that position, you know? Like, it's just right. like, my only regret is that Oberyn died for you, Lannister guy. Like, what? Right. He didn't and, die and for Martell, him. Are you stupid? It, in the books, the Martell grievance that they still hold yeah. is about Elia's Elia dad. Martell yeah. and Rhaegar's children. Which Shoburin does talk about. A lot, and in a very moving way. Yeah, at least from what we remember, we haven't gotten yeah. to that part of the rewatch yet, so who knows? I'm, I'm guessing we're just going to kind of feel empty about the whole thing. That's my prediction. Um, you know, just from experience. But, like... There's no denying that Dorn in the books is set up to be out for revenge. Yeah. That is what's motivating them. And, okay, they cut out the only characters that make sense, or they killed off the only characters that make sense to really be the focal point. I mean, they, they cut, off, the, cut off the characters that contextualize that revenge in anything other than a very simplistic revenge kind of way. Right. So we get these revenge shells, and that yeah. they become the mouthpieces of porn on the show, and the action of porn on the show. But when you and say the mouthpieces of porn, there's nothing to be a mouthpiece for. That's, like, no. our main grievance with Dorn, that it's just, like... An, Orient- an orientalist Potemkin village. It's, it's, it's like a theme park of orientalism, basically. It's just like this one location that has a donkey carrying bananas and some like nice Moorish tile work. And, and there's I nothing think else they, to honestly, it. Honestly, they had it all be like women in these positions mm-hmm. in porn because the whole point with porn is that there is equal pr- um, primogeniture. Yeah, which they don't so- actually ever say explicitly on the show except in like DVD extras. No, but I think this is their way of showing that porn is, like, feminist. It's not, but and, okay. And book Dorn is not either. Yeah. There may be equal preference primogeniture, but it's it's a patriarchy. Yeah. It's still a patriarchy. It certainly, like, you know, glorifies toxic masculinity. <laughs> Even if it Fuck thinks yeah. that, like, women are good at taxes. like Yeah, like, women can be good at taxes and, and marital rape is reduced a bit. Yeah. that That's what Dorn has going for it. <laughs> But yeah, you know, so it's what we ended up with is these absolutely crazed women of color. Uh-huh. Bisexual could, women of color. Yeah, just to hypersexualized. Put that, put that little cherry on there. Yeah. It's like it's like a a checkbox of everything horribly offensive. Yeah. But like and it's not it's like they're fighting for something so superficial and then they mm-hmm. meet these horrible ends because the audience never liked them. Yeah. Julia, this is gross. Yeah, it's gross, but it's so like it's also like done half-assedly <laughs> that like you can't really be very mad about it because it's so like peripheral to everything, you know? Yeah, it's gross and offensively lazy. Yeah, I would say. No, but just like 
even like you know the fire and blood like you know bloodthirsty evil dornish like they had like a sense of identity that motivated all their horribleness you know like right. it was all about defending dorn and some kind of dornish way of life this doesn't even have that <laughs> it's just like we're these brown people who want revenge that's all there is to it yeah and we there's no reasoning with them yeah at all uh they don't seem to like each other very much that's that's the part that really upsets me like you know the sand snakes they're each horrible in their own way and they're not balanced individuals but like they're part of that martell family that really really love each other and even though the sand snakes in the book they fuck up deeply and aren't very trustworthy at least in doran's eyes is what i'm saying he still he's just like them into the fold and like his whole thing is like did you seriously think i would harm my brother's children (laughs) you know yeah like so i mean like last year they murdered him you know and So there's like we're, we, everyone who's listening to this knows that we're Dorn stands, and this family means a lot to us. So we're talking about this a lot more than it deserves. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that we really should have said beyond what we said mm-hmm. last year in, in Filarius Populist Uprising or whatever we called it. <laughs> Brilliant. But just the fact that this was the end to it, mm-hmm. and it was it was just a big middle finger of D and D to the characters that they created because these are new characters. These totally. are not every characters. single one of them. I don't care what their names are. Yeah. Even even Doran. That was not Doran Martell. No. That was some dude. He was a nice dude. He gave people dude soup. Dude in chair with soup. Yeah. He was played by, like, an actor I really like. He could have been such a good Doran. Yeah, he could have been perfect. And I, I don't doubt Indira Varma could have been a perfect uh, Alari if she wanted to. She, sure. she has a skill. <laughs> like I do kind of doubt the skill of the fakes. Yeah, a little. But <laughs> they could have... They been the sand like there's not much to the sand snakes no i mean what's her face um uh obara she could have played obara no problem castle castle yeah kesha castle hughes yeah she could have played obara no problem yeah well she she did the monologue as well as you're gonna do that monologue it was just the uh whatever there there, we really shouldn't be giving this as much time (laughs) of day as we are i think it was a particularly exploitative end to an exploitative tale okay uh, let's, there's no segue. Let's talk about Sam going to college. Yeah, now this is kind of the strongest subplot that we're going to be covering. Yeah, it has, like, a beginning, middle, and end. Kind so of. the end of last year, so last year's Sam's arc was that he stopped off at home on his way to college. <laughs> and he took a sword from his dad. Do you see the sword here? Nope. <laughs> is it relevant to anything? Nope. I think he might be carrying it at one point. Yeah, that's, like, like when he leaves in the dark. Yeah. And he also ditched Gilly in the hallway last year to look at books because he was excited about his coursework that was about to start. Yeah, so, uh, but it turns out that he did actually get back together with her uh, at some point and they get an apartment, but whatever. They're very domestic. Anyway, so <laughs> Sam is at the Citadel. Yeah. Which Old Town or, State. <laughs> Old Town State. Very pre- pre- prestigious. prestigious school. Uh, we even get the prestigious Citadel music for the library, which is just... Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
And then we get a montage of uh-huh. Sam attending his courses. Yeah, it's all like kind of like like it's got that rhythm to it. You know, like he's shelving books, he's emptying the chamber pot, he's slopping the soup, and it's kind of like has it's, it's like music. It gets faster and faster, yeah. the cuts between what he's doing, shelving books, emptying chamber pots, slopping soup, gagging. Yeah. Yeah, and the gagging is part of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's cool for what it is, it just doesn't belong here, it's stupid. <laughs> it's a comedy. Yeah, like it's, it's, <laughs> like if, if it was like, that, if that was like a fan edit of a bunch of Sam scenes, that would be pretty cool. That'd know? be funny, yeah. Yeah. But... It has this odd quality, too, because there's so much soup slopping and chamber pot emptying that there's just liquid noise through the whole thing. Yeah. Which just makes it kind of revolting as well, too. Well, I think it's supposed to be revolting. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. Th- throughout this montage, there's this, like, gated off area of the library that he keeps looking at wistfully. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we we get to his next scene, which is maybe his first actual class, where... Arch Professor Slughorn <laughs> has been like assigned to be his personal professor. First yeah, of all. I mean, I think he's he's Slughorn's assistant or something. He's definitely in the like, what's that nepotism society that Slughorn has? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? The uh, slug, the slug, the club. slug club. Yeah, he's he's yeah. like the only member of the slug club. So Arch Professor Slughorn is dissecting an alcoholic's cadaver. Yes. And with yeah. Sam in the room and talking about how big the liver is or yeah. whatever. He's like measuring the liver and they're taking notes. It's very scientific. And uh, Sam is just like, while we're doing all this science, um, have you thought about the thing that I said about getting like a letter to go to the restricted section? And, and Slughorn, Slughorn's a skeptic? Yeah, Slughorn is like, well, why do you want to do that? And, Slug- and uh, Sam is like, well, as you know, uh, I came here to learn uh, to learn about like the White Walkers and find a way to defeat them and like be a maester for Castle Black and all that. So I was thinking mm-hmm. maybe I should like read books about that shit. Right. So Slughorn basically says, "Well, I believe you." Yeah, but, but here's what the role of maesters are. Also, yeah, the wall hasn't fallen. Yeah, so it's he's never just like, fall. yeah, maesters hold civilization together, and we're like society's memory. And the wall has endured through all this shit. So obviously, that means it's never gonna fall. So. The weird thing is that he says the wall was endured through the long night, which yeah, was, I was that, that constructed? <laughs> yeah, that was strange because yeah. I thought it was constructed after, after the long night, like specifically because yeah. the long night was a thing that happened. Yeah, and okay, whatever. Also, <laughs> the way they talk about the restricted section, it seems to contain books solely on the long night. Well, like Sam, like okay, he goes to the library. Oh, he goes to the hospital and he steals the keys from some sick maester and then he goes into the restricted section and just like grabs books at random, it seems. Well, he's reading the spine of them, which, you know, I don't think titles were printed on the spine. Yeah, or even on the era, cover. But- that that really bugs me about Game of Thrones books, actually. That they have yeah. covers. But no, he just like, he walks in, he turns immediately to his right and looks at the shelf. And the first shelf he touches, he just grabs a book out of like, oh, here it is. <laughs> Um, do they have some kind of classification system at the Citadel? I mean, like, realistically, even, like, an institution like the Citadel maybe has, like, one room full of books, and that's, like, the greatest collection of books in the world. So the, yes. amount, the amount of books they have in this magic library is a little ridiculous for anything pre-printing. Like, <laughs> the Great Library of Alexandria was, Alexandria was, like, a tenth of that size, and it was the greatest book of collection of books in history, so... Julia, they have a classification system. It's that everything about the long night 
medical practices and secret diaries goes in the restriction section. So the medical practices books that he just found on the, sh- on the regular shelf. <laughs> well, because he tells the Slughorn that he read it, like, beforehand. So I'm guessing it's not illicit knowledge. Anyway, that's that's a spoiler. So anyway, yeah, he goes and he grabs some random books in the restricted section. And that's the end of his content for this episode. No, no it's, it's not. It's then not. we see him at home. Yes, then he goes he home. He goes back to his apartment. That he shares with Gilly and the amazing shrinking baby. Or the amazing expanding baby who's like as old as your niece is now. And she's like, what, a year and six my niece months? Is 16, my yeah. niece is 16 months. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not older than your niece is. No. Which looks about the same age and is doing the pointing laughing thing that she does. Yeah, so so remember that for later because it's not important, but it's funny. Uh so Sam and Gilly are just like going through all these books he stole he stole a lot of books. I mean, either we're supposed to presume that he did this over several nights, or his like little shoulder bag that he had was like Hermione's purse in Deathly Hallows. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going through this like massive amount of stolen books and they're just like oh look at all this stuff isn't this interesting and then sam finds a reference to <laughs> dragon glass on dragonstone he's reading a book i think it's called like, like tales the of the long night <laughs> it's like the long night yeah. and then he just turns and it shows this crude drawing of dragonstone with a big circle and then <laughs> no it's just it's got like a mountain made out of obsidian or something and it's like everything else is white and it's black and it's cut kind of, it's really stands out and gilly looks at it she's like oh that's dragon glass <laughs> how did she know that anyway um and he goes oh yeah stannis told me but this is important <laughs> stannis told you but what sam because you knew that dragon glass can kill a white walker that's uh-huh. why stannis told you about this yeah exactly exactly that's why stannis mentioned it in the first place because he knew it was like traditionally known to kill white walkers yeah because sam said it to like <sighs> sam killed a white walker they <laughs> oh my god i can't deal with this anyway so, he, so he he's like yeah I, I have to give john the shocking news <laughs> there's dragon glass on dragonstone <laughs> anyway so the next day question mark he's uh doing his like medical duties and he's like in the isolation ward and he's collecting like the plates from the little slots and Jorah, it's like little cat doors. Yeah, well, it's just because the people are like contagious, right? So you can't actually, even though like later on they're just like in a cell, whatever. But Jorah, like, t- like he like sticks his dragon, his uh, gray scaly arm out of the cat flap thing, and he's just like, yo, dude. What? No, dead- he doesn't say yo, dude. He just shoots his hand yeah. out to scare Sam, and he's just like his deadpan on in Westeros yet. And like and Sam's like, like, I, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> I don't know. And he's like, okay, so, I'm going to retract my arm back. Anyway, that happens. So the next episode, it's time for Jorah's checkup, even though he's like in the plague room. Yeah. So yeah, and Sam are just in the plague room because that's why you have plague rooms, right? So you just go into them. Um, it's Slughorn's great because he has this like metal pokey device and he's just like tapping Jorah with it. Yeah, so Slughorn is just like, you are really dumb to not amputate your arm. And then he's... Yes, and I don't understand why he didn't. John Khan at least had a reason. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah, in about six, uh, like, you'll probably live like, you know, your natural span more or less. But in six months, like, your brain's gonna go and you're gonna be like those wacky stone men in Valeria. That you and Tyrion fought. Yeah, and so then, like, Sam starts asking questions, and Slughorn is like, how dare you ask me questions, you're not a maester, or something? 
<laughs> it was just like, is there anything we can do? Or yeah. can't we try to figure this out? And yeah. Slughorn's like, no. Yeah, like, are, are you options- a baster? <laughs> Here are your options, Jorah. Normally, you'd ship out to Valeria like now. today, yeah. but you're highborn, so I'll give you a day to commit suicide. Yeah, but basically, he's just like, like you know, I'll give you a day, like for reasons. But then he like looks over to his sword in the corner. Um, so Sam then, asks if Jorah wants to send word to his family, but Jorah is just like, no, this is my arc. I don't but want to talk to my family. In that process, Sam learns that his last name is Mormont. Mormont. Oh my gosh. So right. later, Slughorn is uh-huh. doing a research project or giving a research project. Yeah, he's no, he's, he's like he's it. planning to write a project about the War of the Five Kings, but he doesn't have that name yet. He's just like the wars following the death of King Robert, and Sam is like that's not a very catchy name. But he's like pulling all these books from the shelf and being all like, it's important to do your research, Samuel. I think this is the most accurate depiction of grad school when you're trying to talk to your professor about something, but they're just writing their own shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? I'm sorry. Help me pull these books out. So Sam is just like, so I was reading this random blo- book, uh, apparently like today or like before or something because like Jorah has to ship out tomorrow, right? And he's just like, I randomly re- ran across the cure for grayscale in this book. You know, like, the incurable disease. Yeah, and he's just like, why don't we use that on this patient? And Slughorn is like, no, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. I don't well, know anything. <laughs> he actually says, too, that the author of the original book died, died of grayscale. Grayscale, because, yeah. you know, he tried this risky procedure. Yeah. So that's that. So Sam is just like, okay. And then we cut to Jorah, and Jorah <laughs> is writing a letter that really, literally says Khaleesi, Khaleesi on top as its salutation, which just please kill me. <laughs> please. I, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I'm so happy. <laughs> Khaleesi. I'm sure there's like somebody who's actually managed to read what the letter says and stuff, but I don't give a shit. Um, well, um, the first few lines were just like, I went to the Citadel, but they can't do anything. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I don't know. It's his death note. Anyway, Sam shows up with giant gloves. Yeah, and he has like a little cart. <laughs> and a little cart of medical it's just like, instruments. It's just like the cart I used to like push around when I was teaching French classes in different classrooms. <laughs> and tells Jorah that he's going to save him because he liked his dad. Yeah. And also tells him to drink a whole thing of rum because rum is a very strong theme throughout the season. And then Sam also takes a swig of the rum himself because if there's one thing you want to do before a medical procedure... Is share bodily fluids with a man with a plague. And also consume alcohol. Yeah. So basically, um, the magical cure for grayscale is to cut away the infective tissue and then put polysporin on the like raw flesh. In the show it's literally just peeling off the makeup yeah like like that's what like it's basically confirmed in the next episode that what he did is that he removed he the exfoliated outer la- he removed yep. the outer layer of infected tissue yeah um and i think my favorite part of this is the book that sam's doing it's like a wiki how <laughs> is what it looks like and it's just these diagrams that it's like put something underneath the grayscale and pull it off. <laughs> so This will be really the, gross and the patient will scream. 
<laughs> yeah, Jorah has to bite down on something. Yeah. So the next episode, we're in episode three, if anyone's paying attention. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> now we're in episode three. Uh... So Jorah is just looking a little, like, raw, but... The I mean, is this the down. next day? Like, the skin is healed? Like, nothing's oozing? He can put a shirt on without, like, dying in pain? Well, it's a lot of Neosporin, I guess. So Slughorn comes in and is poking at Jorah, and he's like, huh, you don't seem to be infected. And Jorah's like, yeah, I woke up like this. <laughs> but, like, he's not fooling anyone. Like, Slughorn obviously knows that. Sam did the procedure. Yeah, so Slughorn is like, okay, Sam, talk to me in my office later. Yeah. And so, like, Jorah is all like, thanks, Sam. And what else happens? Sam shakes his hand, which I guess... Shows you how confident they all are that this cure is actually officiated. Yeah. Anyway, so then Sam goes to Slughorn's office and gets yelled at for curing an incurable disease. Well, he gets yelled at for, like, disobeying, but he's just like, you should be proud of yourself because you cured an incurable disease. But it was also risky. Yeah. And you need to transcribe all these scrolls now. Yeah, they have they have paper mites on them, so watch out. And then Sam looks a little miffed, and he's like, what? You thought you were going to be rewarded? Your reward is not being kicked out. Yeah, which, fair enough, really. I guess. Anyway, that's that episode. Yeah. Should we just roll up Jorah into this? Because there's not that much else with Jorah. Uh, I feel like it's silly to go back and talk about the scene separately. No, I kind of... Okay, fine. Don't think we can. Um, Next day at Old Town State, the maesters received a letter from Bran. Yeah, this is like when Bran, like, has just realized that the army of the dead are coming, or that they're coming, like, with more speed than they were before. But anyway, this necessitates sending a raven to everyone. And this is what gets John to be all like, oh, we have to go on the white hunt, right? We fight with the army we have. Yeah. He says that again. Yeah. Good job. So... Because it worked out so well last time. Uh, so the maesters get this scroll, and Sam is happening to deliver some books while they're talking about this. And they're, like, making fun of Northerners for being dumb, I think. You're just like, ha, 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 remember all these dumb conspiracy theories Northerners have given us before? Oh, just like every time a maester goes north, he, like, turns dumb or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very... um head up the ass academia to be honest yeah well like that particular aspect of this entire plot line is probably pretty on point oh yeah but um anyway so sam is just like well i can kind of vouch for his credibility because i've been north of the wall and i've seen the white walkers and bran bran is like this disabled kid who managed to survive survive up there so maybe he knows what he's talking about yeah, because Sam is that, basically like, hey, I saw him go north of the wall. He says that this happened years ago, like, after the Incredible Expanded Baby was born, but let's not talk about that. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot he said years ago. Yeah. That baby is not years old. Find a larger kid. Oh my god, is that hard? Then it could be but like, they have Daddy to write Sam! Sam! Oh, like Daddy Warpus. So the maesters just kind of look at him and he's like, you know what? You have a lot of power because yeah. you write things down and people listen to you. Yeah, so and, if and we had your support, maybe, like, this would go a lot easier and we would stand a snowball's chance in hell. And then Slughorn is like, is like, yeah, you know, this all could be true, but it could also be true that this is some kind of false flag that Deadpan is doing to get all of, like, the troops from the south up north so she can conquer the place. That seems just yeah. as likely. Um, 
we don't know. We're just exploring all sides. Yeah. So then he's like, we're going to write to this maester who we think is dumb for clarification. Okay, Sam, is that good enough for you? So then Sam leaves and then they start gossiping about how his family's just been butchered and then laugh about other conspiracy theories. And Slughorn's like, yeah, I was going to tell him later. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Sam doesn't know his family is dead and he, we never see him react to it. Awesome. Um, later. But, like, do you think that, like, maybe the White Walkers and the threat of the White Walkers could be some kind of analogy for, like, climate change? That's kind of out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's out there. You're right. It's, it's not, that's yeah. not what they're doing. Okay. So. Well, 97% of the maesters think it's a threat. <laughs> um, Sam and Gilly's hut. We're back there. It's not and- a hut. It's an apartment. It's clearly like a house over a bar or like a little bit of a I think my favorite part is that this this baby is just fine playing on a mattress by itself the whole time. Like clearly well, sometimes Sam have... gives it a book to play with. It's like sixteen months, eighteen at most. Yeah, it should be screaming, demanding food and toys. You can't just leave a baby like that to its own devices. Either way, Gilly is really into all these books that Sam grabbed at random. Which is which so, is like in her character. Her established So character. Sam's reading something else about the long night and she's talking at him and she's like, Hi, Septon Maynard. Yeah, it's just a secret wrote- diary. And she's like, he said there's 15,000 steps in the Citadel. Yeah, he liked to collect he- facts and like track he his bowel movements. <laughs> He I mean, like, his bowel movements. Yeah, he has a very, like, detailed bujo. I love that this diary is about Septon Maynard counting windows yeah. on the Red Keep, pooping, and then having secret annulment <laughs> weddings. Well, that's, like, you know, just something that he did. Like, today, I annulled the Crown Prince marriage. <laughs> then I took a shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I traveled to Dorne to marry him to his girlfriend, who's betrothed to somebody else, who's currently in active rebellion. Just and then I took another shit, and I had lunch, but I don't think I had enough protein. I should do better with my protein. There's also fifteen thousand steps in the Citadel. Yeah. So Gilly is just like saying these factoids, yeah. and Sam starts ranting about how, how much Mace he hates academia. He's like, Mr. Suck, and I don't care about the the. It's like that ContraPoints episode about why she quit academia. Baby Sam laughs at this rant. Yeah, he's just like, you're silly, daddy. And Sam, and Gilly's just like, you got what I said wrong. Yeah. You didn't take 15,000 shits. There are 15,000 steps. And Gilly's just like, you're not listening to me, are you? Okay, I'm just going to so read then- the book. Sam decides that he's done. Oh, and yeah, she tells him about the annulment, the thing that, yeah. like, it's, Bran is gonna tell him later, and, like, he doesn't realize it, the same way that he didn't realize that Stannis gave him information, I guess. Oh, yeah, it's very clear he's not listening to Gilly at all. Yeah. So what's the point of her reading this in this diary? It's funny. <sighs> anyway, Rager. so, so Sam is, he storms out of the room, and he storms into the restricted section again. And he kind of, like, longingly gazes at the library, but he's just, like, whatever. Uh, and he steals more books at random. I guess the books he already stole at random, he's done with. I don't yeah. know. Just gotta steal more books at random. <laughs> Did he ever put any books back? I don't... I guess nobody else is researching The Long Night, so it's not like he's trying to kick up interest in it. Um, yeah, then, like, 
I guess Gilly got him a cart. That's what I'm guessing happened. He's just like, I'm going to go steal more books. You go rent us a cart. Uh, so she's just sitting in a cart with all their stuff. Yeah. With Sam, too. Baby Sam. Yeah. And so he's just like, yeah, we're leaving. And Gilly's like, are you sure you want to leave? You seemed pretty, like, into this whole maester thing a year ago. And he's like, nope, I'm done reading about the achievements of better men. Which is verbatim what, what his Randall abusive told father him. said to abuse yeah. him. And to minimize the importance of him becoming a, a maester. And, like, everything that Sam cares about and values in himself. Yes. So then they leave on a cart. Yeah. What happens to them? Uh, they go to Winterfell. Yep. Sam arrives at Winterfell, goes into a random room with Bran. Why does he seek out Bran? Why isn't he, like, talking to Sansa, who's running everything? Yeah, like, if he has important news about the King of the North, shouldn't he be talking to, like, the Regent? Or maybe he just wants to bond with Bran So over, like, that one time they met before? So he just walks into the room yeah. with Bran. Does Sansa even know he's there? It's not important. She, he's only just going to, like, drop a political bombshell. It's fine. If there were no guards that told him that he should stay and wait. <laughs> to be he's trustworthy. Sam is trustworthy. <sighs> so Bran remembers him. He remembers everything. Except, like, things that he doesn't. Like, the fact that bastard naming conventions aren't based on where you're born so much because they're based on they're not, where your parents are from. <laughs> they're not, like, legal last names you put on birth certificates anyway. <laughs> you know? I just like the idea that it's like, where are we? We are in Dorne. I guess the last name is Sand. Even if you're from the fucking north. Or like, you've lived in the north your whole life. And like, Jesus. again, these aren't like legal last names that they have on their driver's license. You know? They're just like, cultural conventions. <laughs> yeah, well the reason we're yelling about that is because it's dumb. Bran uh-huh. basically explains his powers to Sam. It's not that difficult. It's not to that explain. difficult to explain at all. And John Bradley's just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I love his reaction. I love John Bradley. Yeah, it's funny. I-, I hope he does really well in the rest of his career. Well, yeah, he says, "I'm here because I want to help John out." And yeah. Bran tells him that John is currently having boat sex. Yeah. And, well, not uh, yet. Well, not currently en route to have boat sex. Yeah, I mean, like the kind of the boat sex scenes are like interspersed with these scenes. It's kind of confusing. So then he starts just like talking about how he needs to talk to John too yeah. because John's lineage is wrong and he's really a Dornish bastard, the secret love child of Prince Rhaegar and and uh, I have Lady a question. Liability. What if this is like preying on his mind so much that he would just like dump on this like guy he met once before? Why didn't he like tell his sisters at any point? I think he did off screen when they planned on uh, Littlefinger's trial. And we they, just didn't they see had the no reaction. reaction to it at all. It's not important. Okay. They're just like, oh, weird. It's John Sand. Okay. So strange that he wasn't really fathers. Whoops. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. So strange that he's like technically the legal heir to the Iron Throne, I guess. So then Sam's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. No, John's not a bastard because I, I have a transcribed. <laughs> I transcribed High Septed Maynard's diary. You toad. Gilly read it to you. No, he transcribed it. It was like one of his punishment books, but like he didn't Fine. realize its significance until she read it. So he's transcribing just like, yeah, then the High Septon annulled the marriage of the prince and he's just like, yeah, this is fine. Yep, that's what happens. And then he's like, wait a minute. I just realized 
Liana and Rhaegar? I wonder if that's the same Liana and Rhaegar that High Septon Maynard talked about. He annulled it, and they had a real wedding. And why is that book that's less than, like, 30 years old already moldering that much? <laughs> I guess because he kept writing it in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so I'm just like, hey, Bran... Do you want to, like, look into this at all? Maybe check out that wedding? Yeah, like, go into your home video archive. And Bran's like, oh, wow. Yeah, let me do that. And then he does. So then he just tells Sam Robert's Rebellion was built on a lie because Lyanna and Rhaegar loved each other. Yeah, because Robert's Rebellion was all about how Lyanna was in love with Robert for realsies. Right. Right. This, That's this really does assume that Robert's Rebellion started solely because of the kidnapping rather than, like... You know, Ares burning his subjects alive. Yeah, I mean, like, World War One started because this one guy shot this other guy. That was the only reason. Anyway. If that hadn't happened, there never would have been a First World War. So that was Sam's arc in Season 7. I think it's very obvious that the final scene has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. <laughs> anything else in any plot line ever, but okay. <laughs> Like, I just think we should discount this from Sam's arc. His yeah. arc is getting to the point where he says he's done reading about the achievements of Better Man. Yeah. Which, fuck you. Well. Fuck you so much. I mean, because yes. I don't really have a problem with his arc. I have his a problem with that line. The, right. His arc itself is just the disillusionment yeah. of academia. And Yeah, he's like, just like, you know, there, I thought... Sam. I thought I would come to this university and this degree would help me in my calling and make me a better person, prepare me for life. But no, it's just a bunch of bullshit that's obsolete and out of touch with reality. It's just a bunch of old white dudes yep. in the room making fun of things and like circle jerking, basically. Yeah, and which is fine. That's a fine arc to have. Like, yes, and it's actually kind of a good commentary on academia in general. Yeah. I really do think that. <laughs> But, like, why did you have to include, like, him validating his abusive father's point of view in that when it doesn't do that at all anyway? No. I mean, is the solution to just hit the White Walkers over the head now? Like, no. So the learning is still going to be important, right? Like, Sam's skill set is still the thing that is valuable about his input, not his it, father's skill set. So, like, what? His his arc wasn't even like, oh, I want to be that central action figure. Yeah. It was just, you know what? I have the knowledge that I think I need. Yeah. I'm doing the research and the people here aren't willing to help. So it, I think it's the I'm going to start a YouTube video about philosophy <laughs> and trans issues instead. I think it's Go watch ContraPoints, everyone. Needed something for... I agree. Needed <laughs> something for Sam to say as he was leaving. And it was like, oh, oh my god, we could tie it back to what Randall said. He's tired of reading about the achievements of better men. But the content of what he was reading about was like yeah. Septon Maynard's shits. Yeah, so like he could, he could, it's not connected. He could, like, what? he could have said something about like, you know, like, like, you know, sometimes you have to do the right thing, even though it's the wrong thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, yes, that was important to me, but saving the world is more important to me. Something like that, right? Like, or I came here to protect you, Gilly, and this isn't helping me do that anymore. Like, you know, something. Well, it, even like Gilly just said, I thought you always wanted to be a yeah. maester. He could just say, that's until I found out what a maester is. 
or like just something, something, anything that actually relates to his experiences. Even if it was just like, yeah, but then they just made me slop soup for, yeah. you know, No, months. just like, yeah, I came here, I came here to actually help and this isn't actually helping because it's an obsolete institution. Yeah, maybe the way that Gilly teed him up because it's, you know, a narrative and they could have had her say anything to him. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even need to be that set up. Uh, but yeah, the fact that he echoes Randall's words, like we were supposed to agree with Randall last season is what that implies. It kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. And that sucks. And like, go back and and listen to Horn Fair or read Horn Fair. That was so much fun to write. (laughs) But you know, Sam was sitting at the table shaking as Mm -hmm. Randall was going on this horrible rant, which ends with his mom storming off saying you dishonor yourself. Yeah. So I don't see in what way we were supposed to agree with that. But here, oh, I guess Randall had a point. And you know what also would have been nice? If we had seen him react at all to the fact that his brother and father are dead now. Yeah, I mean, he didn't even find out about it. Um, Presumably he found out eventually. He could have even found out and used that and just been like, my father was not a good man. Mm -hmm. But at least he was willing to die fighting for something. I can't just be here. I don't anything. Yeah, like any yeah, just God. God anything. What's wrong with you? Okay. I hate this plot line. <laughs> Do we have I mean like the whole like academia is incestuous and not all that insightful is there, but there's not much more to say about it other than that. Uh, can we talk about his relationship with Gilly at all? He's not very nice to her. Yeah, I mean, because like the like this la- this rewatch episode that we're working on this weekend, so that would be the Reigns of Castamir. Yeah, I, and and uh, I, I really I, like Gilly. I really like Gilly. I think she's one of my like favorite characters. <laughs> she's like one of my favorite characters on this stupid show. Yeah, she is. She's and they like cool. actually seed her being into literacy in that episode. They're just like, she's so amazed that like Sam has all this knowledge that he found in a book. She's just like, how do you know that? Just her reading marks on paper. That's so incredible. And like, they kind of continue this whole thread where she's just like, oh my gosh, literacy. That's my thing. I'm so empowered by it. Yeah. I mean, she becomes randomly assertive in a way that she wouldn't be. But, you know, she is refreshing. But Mm -hmm. then here it's her interest in the books is funny because these books are boring. Yeah. Right. But she does end up, like, discovering this amazing thing. Which Sam takes credit for. Yeah. And, like, other than that, she's just kind of there. Like, she has this nice new outfit. And I guess she's still baby Sam's mother. But other than that... Is she working? How are they paying for that apartment? Yeah, good question. Maybe she... Yeah, maybe she's working at the pub downstairs. They clearly love a pub, right? I would rather watch the Gilly Chronicles. Oh, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> whatever we got with soup slopping and poop scrubbing a lot of poop themes this this uh, season <laughs> i'm not even kidding god i'm so, what a fucking waste sam actually to to be fair sam had an arc this year that's yeah. more than i can say about anyone else but it just sucked in execution wow i'm floored let us talk about jora since we just talked through most of his scenes Jora, okay, so um, is there anything before he leaves the sit- uh, leaves the Citadel that we have to go over, you think? No, we mentioned his letter addressed to Khaleesi. <laughs> 
anyway, so, um. It, like, I mean, what's there to say? He showed up to get a cure. They were like, we can't cure you. But then someone said, no, I can. And they did. Yeah. And this is where they first mentioned his father. So put a pin in that. Um, so in the fifth episode, he arrives on Dragonstone. And this is right after, uh, uh, Deadpan comes back from Loot Train attack. Yeah. And she and John have like a convo about the necessity of killing, killing people. people in war. Yeah. And then Danny says, Hey, John, Davos said you were dead before. What's up with that? And then they're interrupted by Dothraki saying, This man says he knows you. As if they don't know Jorah. Like, yeah, wasn't he there? Jorah the Anzal. Yeah, he was Jorah the Andal, and he was there when she burned down the Temple of the Dashkaleen. He was one of the only people who didn't immediately kneel. Yeah, but I guess that's not memorable. Uh, so Danny actually looks touched. Like, to Amelia Clark's credit, she acts yeah. this year. Um, like, and- so much more than any way she ever reacts to John. And it's kind of funny because they're like gazing at each other, Jorah and Deadpan, and then John is just like, Whoa, in the, like in between the he's like, he's like, oh, Mormon, I knew your father. He was yeah. a good man. Okay, so Jorah Mormon both, mentioned number two. And they both just ignore him <laughs> to keep staring at each other, and John looks grumpy. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but did this seem really charged? Yeah, well, not charged, but just like. She's having this conversation with her supposed love interest. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, I kill people because it's a war. And isn't that complicated? And then, like, her ex-stalker shows up. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's my ex-stalker. She seems so much more interested in him and, like, seems so much more animated looking at him that it's like, wow, there's something here. <sighs> but I guess there's not. <laughs> okay, so... Then so nothing really else happens other than yeah. There's later- this scene where when Ugh. like Bran, no wait, yeah, yeah. Bran sent John the thing, yep, and he's all like, "Oh, I have to go." And then that's when they end up with the whole white hunt plan. And yeah, like if we show Cersei proof, she won't deny yeah. the army of the dead. And Jorah's like, "Oh, I'll get you the white Halisi." value me and then john is like no 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 i will get you the white value me more and then amelia clark does look super upset about the idea of john going into danger because like when jorah volunteers it as tribute she's like oh i'm touched she would volunteer as tribute for me but then like when john does it she's like oh no he's gonna die that's terrible i wanted to test drive that (sighs) i don't know i'm infertile don't you know (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. So, okay, they're both going to get the white. Yeah. Khaleesi values them both. And so Jorah goes to leave, and Tyrion is just, like, there. Yeah. He goes, no one glowers like you. Not what? even Grey Worm. I guess it's a philosophical difference between glowering and don't, brooding, right, Julia? Don't, 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 So he gives him... He's like, hey, Jorah, remember that time we were slaves <laughs> together and we got sold for a coin? Well, I kept the coin. Take it. <laughs> No, the coin was their wages for the rest of their lives. Because it, oh, it was it was slavery, right? Yeah. We were told it would last the rest of our lives. Remember yeah. that whole plotline where they were slaves. I am the gift. <sighs> so then, Diddy, remember the cock merchants? Stop. <laughs> 
deadpan strolls up to uh-huh. Jorah and she's like, well, we've said goodbye a lot. Whoops. It's usually it's when awkward. I'm ordering you to leave because you've been stalking me, but whatever. So then they, they have some charged hand-holding. Yeah. But then John comes by and Jorah gets this awkward look on his face and just kind of retreats off. Yeah. And then John wishes Danny good fortune in the wars to come. Just like Arthur Dane did. And Vance Raider. <laughs> I guess it's the inverse expression, whatever. <laughs> it's better than it's better than the um, house fray having the inverse cheer of the Lattice, Lattice said the regards. And the phrase. The Lattice and, and the, the phrase. phrase. Oh my <sighs> god. Anyway, there's really not much else to say about Jorah in this episode. Like, they all go up yeah. to Eastwatch with the character Gumbo, and Jorah's like, oh my god, Thoris of Mir, is that you? And then... Tormund hears Jorah's last name. He's like, Mormon, you killed a lot of wildlings. Or his your father dad did. did. Let's mention Jorah's father, number three, okay? And then Beric is just like, of all the gin joints, we're all together here. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. So then they just sat up beyond the wall together. So yeah, that's what happens. Okay, so the next episode. Uh, <laughs> so Jorah and John are included as one of the inter... The... Things like one of the walk and talks is yeah, John they're and Jura. One, they're one of the couples. Yeah, and so basically, Jura is just like, well, John is like, yeah, your dad. Let's mention him number four. And then Jora is like, yeah, I was a shitty son. And then John is like, here, have this sword. And Jora, it was your family sword that I didn't mention to Liana for reasons. Yeah, and Jora is like, no, no, it's your sword. You should have it. And and by this sword, I mean deadpan's vagina. <laughs> basically basically is what he said because he's just like yeah you should give the sword to your kids that you will have with that pit yeah it's hold on let me find the exact wording because it was bad yeah. it was um forfeit i forfeited the right to claim his sword it's yours may it serve you well and your children after you i mean like basically like, like the thing about this that kind of bugs me is that like the literal reading doesn't make sense, and they're trying to set up this whole Danny issues arc for him. But oh my God, it's the Ned slow clap monologue after this. But it's kind, you kind of can't get away from the fact that this conversation is basically Jora giving him permission to be with Danny. And then nothing else happens yeah. for Jora in the season. Yeah. Like he fights. Yeah. So let's talk about Jora. <laughs> okay, so um, the two things that are discussable is his daddy issues and his love for Khaleesi and how he gave it up. So I think we need to talk about that one because that's the most common through line since season one uh-huh. has been his thoughts on Khaleesi, especially right now where we're on the rewatch where he's like looking sad about her eye fucking Daria <laughs> and all that. Um, okay. I guess it's good that he gave John permission I mean, it really, ah. it really bugs me how, like, this love triangle that is apparently about Deadpan as the top point is resolved with absolutely no input from Deadpan herself. How does Deadpan feel? Said no one ever. <laughs> we, we don't know how Deadpan feels. She just happened to be in the same vicinity as John and they fucked. Yeah. I think if, like, Jorah fell under that ice and she had to rescue him, she'd be fucking him. But yeah, I mean, shockingly, the men resolve the conflict on Game of Thrones. Wow, yeah. how new and different for the rest of the show. I guess, I guess what I want to say though, it seemed like he was pretty obviously in love with her still last year yeah. when he 
came back to free her from Vias Dothrak and then told her that he's dying and because she forgave him last year for all the stalking. Yeah. Because he kept saving her life. She's like, well, you're stalking me, but boy, you're useful. Yeah. We kind of discussed how he didn't save her life at all in that instance, but whatever. But she thinks so. <laughs> Somehow. And so then she orders him off to f- cure an incurable disease. Yeah. Again, Sam just kind of says, okay, I'll do it and does. And then yeah, that so experience. Yeah, so did he do, like... This is kind of his first try in the cure of the disease. He's just like, okay, how do I cure this and cure of disease? Maybe I should try the Citadel. I mean, like, presumably he had some ideas after that, but, like, it was basically his first try. He just, like, happened to meet this random guy. So he didn't, like, really do anything much in terms of, like, character to cure this incurable disease. It just kind of happened to him. And then, like, I don't think there's anything about this disease being cured that we can tie to a change in his psyche regarding Danny. I mean, I suppose you can say that like his stalker tendencies were like the grayscale and he had the stalker tendencies removed. And now his motivations for helping her are actually pure and good. And beforehand they really weren't because they were tinged by this whole stalkerness and his, well, okay. Sure. That works metaphorically. Well, kind of, I mean, (laughs) he contracted the grayscale in season five rather than the first four seasons Mm -hmm. when he was definitely still stalking her. But that doesn't actually, that doesn't actually mean anything in the sense of like, okay, but how was that still earned? Like, how was his stalkerness peeled away? What did he do to work on himself for that? Because it seems like he didn't do anything. You're right about that. I mean, like, I guess he sees that (laughs) there's this other guy who also wants her. And he's okay with that. So he realizes that he's been through that before. Yeah. With Dario. Why is this time different? Because Does he just this like time, John more? This time he's okay with it, so growth. Because John liked his dad, or because John's hotter than Dario? Which I don't think is the case. But... <laughs> oh my god, Heisman is very good looking. Yeah. But what about the yeah. first guy, the season three guy? Oh, Ed Screen? I think, I think he's a better Dario, actually. <laughs> he's a better Dario, but I'm not, like, that's not for me. Okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, but no, I'm just saying, like, everything that happens to George just kind of, he decides these things. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, having an incurable disease and then recovering from it is going to, like, make you consider what's important, I guess. I mean, like, what happened to make him realize that he's a shitty son? I think he knew he fucked up badly. But, well, no, he was not very apologetic about it in season one. He's just kind of like, I had an expensive wife. I don't know. The father threat is weird. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's so definitely there. Like, they mentioned his father five times. I know, but why? Like, did they think that John, or John, Sam wouldn't have motivation to cure him unless that thread was really established? Is that it? I mean, I think... They're, I mean, I don't have any trouble believing that, like, Sam would do that for a random schmo. So, I don't know. But I think it was trying to give him some kind of arc. Maybe, like, they've read our stuff about how characters need arcs. But what was the arc? Because from what I can tell, it's just him suddenly saying random things and behaving in random ways. Yeah. And he... The, he was willing to let Deadpan go growth. And he realized that he was a shitty son and he needs to do better. Growth. But it wasn't earned by anything that happened to him. Yes. 
We discussed that. But Julia. Uh-huh. All right. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about this. Jorah just... I mean, the only thing this character has going for it is Ian Glenn's voice, so... I think the worst part of that, too, is even if we could say, like, oh, he has this new outlook and he's ready to let Danny go, there was no indication that that's how he felt when he, like, actually saw her for the first time or when he was, like, still one-upping John, you know? That was just decided randomly on their walk and talk. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. So, really, nothing was earned... I think it's just that D&D wanted any shippers, any residual shippers out there to be on board with boat sex. So it's just like, no, make Dora cool with it. Do they have shippers? And then... I'm sure they do. Hmm. If Sans and Tyrion do, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then regarding the father, oh, there's this connection. Mm-hmm. With Mormon, I like how just John watched season one and remembered him. I like how John mentioned that they definitely got revenge, so it's okay now. Yeah, there's closure. It really, it really was just oh, we watched season one, we remember this guy. It's Dora Mormont. Let's talk about the connections. It makes the show deep. They just throw these, they just throw these random like I remember when connections in there to make you think like oh wow, this show is Mamber. It's got Mamber Dora Mormont. Not a lot going for it. <laughs> I don't think there's much more we could say about Jorah. I'm mm. glad he's he's living his best life, but there's nothing to prompt this. Be best, Jorah. Be best. Which he decided randomly on a walk and talk. Okay, that brings us to Sandor on the Brotherhood Without Banners. Okay, so uh, we see them in the first episode, and they're like still in the Riverlands, right? Because his yep. house was in I the Riverlands know. beforehand, and I guess I'm guessing it didn't move. Uh, Has Sandor been in the Riverlands for like five years at this point? I guess so. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyway, so he's in the Riverlands with the Brotherhood and they're going up north because that's what they decide they're going to do after he pissed into a river. Uh, And it's snowing. It's snowing. He's super grumpy about how cold it is and I relate. And so they stop off. He's just like snappish and being rude. Yeah. They run into the house that he and Arya ran into, I think, in season four, where she's... Yeah. Is, is that when she said nothing is nothing? No, no. that was on the way to the house. I don't remember. <laughs> it, it. They went there and Sandor robbed them, Yeah, right? And, like, Arya objected, but then she didn't. And then, okay, so he's all like, he's all like, oh, let's not go there. And Thoris is just like... Are you scared or something? And then Sandor is all like, you're a cunt and your hair is dumb. You cunt. You're bald. You're not fooling anyone with that top knot, you bald cunt. <laughs> what? Yeah, like, okay. So they go into the house and they find some mummies in a corner. <laughs> like, I, they look so rotted. Yeah. I mean, like, the timeline is so confused. It could have been, like, 30 years. Who knows? So then Barrick just pulls out his, like, CSI skills. <laughs> And he's just like, clearly what happened is that they were starving to death, and then the father killed the girl, and then himself, which is why they're covered in blood, so they wouldn't starve to death. Do you feel guilty, Sander? If only someone hadn't robbed them, maybe they'd be alive. <laughs> anyway, so then Sandor is like, this is a great time to, like, talk about God. And so he's just like, Beric, I know you, you're an extremely mediocre person. Why? <laughs> You're boring. <laughs> Why does God keep bringing you back from the dead? And Beric is like, I don't know. I ask myself the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's... And then Thoris is like, okay, Sandor, 
Come here and look at this fire. Yeah. Come here. I mean, is that connected to the conversation they're having? Did he tell him to go look at the fire because he's overhearing this conversation? And it's just like, I'm going to teach you about God. I think it's just like, yeah, like, how can you deny it when you look at this fire and you see the things that you're about to see? Okay. So how... (laughs) Apparently, this Sandor is a naturally gifted fire reader because he looks at it and he sees in stunning detail the wall, East Watch... A Mount Arrowhead and the Army of the Dead. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, that's what I saw in the fire. And then later that night, he wakes up, or that yeah, Thoros wakes up and he hears a, he hears Sandor burying the bodies. He's like digging a I hole to bury the bodies. I think my favorite part is that after he sees everything in the fire, they're like, oh my god, you're afraid of fire and you see things in the fire. That's poetic. <laughs> like, Thoros and Beric just state that. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so later that night, he buries the bodies, yeah. and Thoros helps him, yeah. and then he can't remember the names of the seven. Yeah, and so he's just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Kaddish. you're>... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't remember the, the Kaddish, so he just dunks it, which is like, one of those lines that only the two of us would understand. Yeah, yeah, about right. <laughs> he's trying to say the, you know, prayer as yeah. he lays into rest, and then he just pulls a dunk. Yeah, he's just like, I'm sorry you're dead, guys. <laughs> You didn't deserve it. Yeah. Bye. So that was moving. Anyway, uh... Do we see them? <laughs> Hold on, we're scrolling through her notes. Yeah. Sorry. So what's next? Um, after the Sands Lake Parade, spoilers of Eastwatch. war. Yeah, I okay. honestly think it's not... Eastwatch? So we don't see them until we see them on the wall? I'm, I'm going back through the notes. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well then. Okay, so it's time for Gumbo. <laughs> so they're in a cell at Eastwatch because that's what Tormund does. Yeah, so so these like random civilians were approaching the wall wanting to like get into Mexico. I mean, it's not like Mexicans trying to get into the States. It's like Americans trying to get into Mexico. Like it's not that hard. Uh, right? So I need an updated passbook. Yeah, but like, you know, like usually the trouble is the other way. Like, why are you locking them up? Yeah, they lock him up because they're so suspicious of them. They're, they're in a cell. Yeah. Like, they're not even just being held. They're in a cell. So then, you know, that's when uh, <laughs> that's when the character Gumbo comes and they're all like, oh my god, I recognize you. So John once saw the Hound. Uh-huh. Gendry saw the Brotherhood Without Boundaries and says they can't be trusted. Jorah recognizes Thoros. Tormund recognizes Jorah. Beric is then like, oh my god, we all recognize each other in different ways. <laughs> so the brother... So, uh... Beric and Thoros are both just like, we must go north of the wall. It's our density. And we're going to go with you. And like Team Dragonstone what? is all like, um, you have no idea what we're going to do up there. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Like God wants us to go up there. Yeah. And then John's like, well, we're all on the same side because we're all breathing. That's deep. Cool, John. So even though they have two completely different missions, or the Brotherhood Without Batters of the Hound had no mission. Yeah, they had no mission. They were just like, Relor wants us to go north of the wall. I guess we'll do Something's whatever. Something's gonna come to yeah. us. <laughs> what? So that brings us to beyond the wall and all the walk and talks. Yeah. Okay. So what walk and talks are relevant here? So Gendry starts complaining to the Brotherhood uh-huh. about how they sold him to slavery once. And he was sexually assaulted and almost murdered. Uh-huh. And then Gendry tells him to quit whinging. <laughs> Sandor tells him and to the, keep And then Beric and John talk, because uh-huh. they were both dead once, you know. And Beric is just like, eh, 
God has a plan. I don't get it. Uh, but I'm not fighting for some man or woman. I'm fighting for life and death. Death is the enemy. And then John's like, doesn't everyone die? Beck's like, well, yeah, 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 but we're going to fight anyway. uh, And we're going to defend those who can't defend themselves. Yeah, it's very, I don't know. It doesn't quite belong on this show. It's weird. Um, (laughs) During this mission, Uh you know, they come to Mount Arrowhead, which I guess means that Sanders arc is resolved. Well, you know, he saw a vision of the fire and there it is. So that's why he's afraid of fire. So his arc is resolved. Also, Thoros dies overnight. He he was attacked by a bear, and then they spend a night in Plot Convenience Pond. And oh yeah, Sandor also has that like rivalry with the one white, yeah. <laughs> who's a cunt, obviously. He's a cunt. And then Beric uh, tells John that he just needs to kill the Night's King. Yeah, significant. So that's that's their roles. <laughs> yeah, and that's honestly that's the Brotherhood. Oh wait, wait. No, Sandor... no. The last season, Sandor talks to his bro, and it's super relevant, episode, yeah. I guess. Because he's just like, like, wow, bro, you look like shit, um, but it doesn't matter what happened to you because I'm going to kill you. And you know that. Bye. And Gregor has no reaction. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure if he's like sentient anymore. He's just, no, he's like a blow up dummy and yeah. he's just there. He's just like, talking to defends him. Cheryl. Why is he okay, so loyal so- to Cheryl? I have no idea. Also, uh, this is not significant at all to anything, but Sandor and Brienne caught up earlier and were like, Arya's good. <laughs> and then Sandor also is really mean to a few Lannister, Lannister soldiers. Yeah, but him being a random jerk is humorous. Anyway, I, so <laughs> the the very last scene, uh, Beric and Beardy possibly die when the wall falls down. Possibly not, also. Yeah, because somebody told Tormund that they're going to see him again or something, right? I don't know. And, no, 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 no. You're thinking of Davos and Mel. Am I? Yeah, or um, Varys and Mel. But it's just it's just Beardy and Tormund and and Beric. So um, if Beric Mel. is dead, I suppose we're supposed to presume that his destiny that the Lord resurrected him six times for was to go on the White Hunt. Yeah. Okay. And if he's not dead, then I guess the Lord's not done with him yet. Yeah. So okay, let's let's. <laughs> Let's talk about Sandor first. Uh, He's a fire reader. I mean, this character is so stagnant. So last year, he didn't have an arc. He just doubled down on the fact that the world sucks and yeah. he needs to be violent, right? No, it's just like when you compare him to the book version of the character, who like oh I know the two of us think that basically like he's done in the books, like he like his character has had closure. Uh, yeah, sorry, a lot Sans of Sans. people really disagree. Not just Sans Sans, but um, mostly Sans Sans. I mean, but there's they, people they there's people who actually do appreciate him as a character outside of Sans Sans who think that he has like other closures too. But like basically, like he's this like super violent man. And he's, like, found peace as a pacifist monk, right? Like, spoilers. I kind of feel like that Venn diagram of Sans Sans and people who are into Sandor's character is nearly a circle. Maybe. Just saying. I don't, I don't think it's important. But, uh, to this discussion. Uh, but, like, <laughs> just, like, the fact that they took that character and turned it into this guy who's constantly doubling down on both his own, like, jerkitude... And his own. Because, like, the whole thing was just, like, you know, like, when he first meets Sansa, 
he like scares her in the book in the books yeah and like that's well that's, in the show too no, like that's another thing that that character is trying to get away from just like being so unnecessarily like mean to everybody just as a default right mm-hmm. it's like nathaniel's arc on crazy ex-girlfriend this year <laughs> did you watch the newest episode because that's uh front and center no i haven't watched the newest episode he, he's just like trying his hand at being nice so he buys donuts for his staff and they're like this is a trap <laughs> Anyway, the thing is, with Sander on the show, they think it's really funny when he's an asshole to people. And I don't know why this is meant to be funny, but it is. So I think... I mean, like, like if you're trying really hard to take what they're doing with his character seriously, like, you could see it as really sad that, like, he has, like, such deeply unresolved issues with things that, like... Mm -hmm. Like somebody, somebody <laughs> suggests that he's afraid of like his emotional baggage location, and the only thing he can say is "you're a cunt." Like that's sad, right? Like that's legitimately it's not sad. Cheery, yeah. yeah. It's it, it's sad that a person would be like that. Yeah, like, you're right about that. <laughs> and I, I think in in better hands, it could be sad, but instead, it's comic relief, and that's weird. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that he lashes out out of insecurity, uh-huh. but. Nothing's ever explored with that insecurity. I mean, his insecurity is, like, what they value, not any resolution to it, you know? Why is he a fire reader, Julia? (sighs) Are people just, like, there are certain people who can read a fire, and Thoros and Beric just intuited he is one of them? Was Thoros doing something to the flames? I think that, like, they realized that Thoros and Beric didn't have enough, like, cred as characters to carry any plotline on their own. So I think that's why they through Sandor in there. Do you think he's going to be a fire reader in the books? If he comes back into the narrative, no. do you think that's okay? I very much I, doubt he'll be in any way involved in the Brotherhood Without Banners. Yeah. Because clearly he's going to go to the Vale and be Sansa's champion stop, at the tournament. Stop. So- stop, stop, stop. <laughs> we can't. We actually did do a Sansa Stark happy hour where we talk about um, Sansan a little yeah, bit a little if you want to hear our thoughts on I mean, on we it. kind of like actively don't care about Sansan. <laughs> like the like the way that we don't care is like an action. Basically. Yeah. It's not a passive It's thing. very it's a very active <laughs> yes. ambivalent or uh, apathy rather. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean I think it's because they know Sandor is well liked by the fandom. Mm-hmm. So isn't it meme. cool if he's a fire reader? And then I guess it's significant because he was afraid of fire. I mean, but it's so heavy-handed. Yeah, like, I mean, and Thoros so and Beric like, just say that's so like you know beginner creative writing significance. You know, I know, <sighs> and, and they say it. They just sit around. They're like, "Oh my god, it's so significant." That's so cool, Sandor. I mean, like even like you know in season three where he's fighting with Beric and his sword is on fire and he's afraid of the fire. It was already kind of like eye rolly that like oh he's yeah. afraid of fire. I get it, but you know like yeah. I don't know. I just, I just don't see that happening for this character. And then, you know, his final scene of the season is still him with the scrudge against Gregor. Uh-huh. So you would think, you would think of anything, you know, okay, he's still unpleasant. He's still calling whites cunts, whatever. <laughs> but at least like he discovers this power that he has and he discovers this calling that he is now driven by and he now believes in, you know, sort of, Gruffly, I do think an actual theme of the season, to D&D's credit, was 
characters confronted with the religious truth have to accept it or yeah. or like the the fantastical truth rather yeah the climate change truth yeah right and so he is confronted with this truth of you know what i'm seeing this stuff i don't understand it but there's something to it and you would think maybe that could change his perspective a little bit or have an effect but no he just wants to kill his brother nothing's different Game he ball, just he wants to kill, yeah he wants to kill his brother and he can also fire reed cool what <laughs> do i have anything to say about the brotherhood the one God, no. the one thing that i could kind of say is that it kind of upsets me how they got away like not just got away like you know in terms of they were arrested for it but like narratively with the fact that they sold gendry into slavery <laughs> Yeah, and and like Sandor's stop whinging. Yeah, thing it's, was kind of and it's kind of definitive. like not a big deal because like their whole thing was that like they were doing all this like unjustifiable stuff like for the greater good, right? But like now it's just like whatever. We sold him into slavery. We completely abandoned all that social justice stuff anyway. I guess so. Nothing. Nothing is nothing. <sighs> I mean, this is this is it. Like this is what. The Brotherhood Without Banners is culminated into the White Hunt. Thoros died, yeah. Thoros died, Beric may have died. That's disappointing. Yeah, it. this whole thing, we're going to save the... It's almost as if there was this plotline they were supposed to have and this motivation they were supposed to get caught up in mm-hmm. that didn't appear. Yeah, that's George R. R. Martin's fault. Yeah, no one's going to take a zombie serious like... <laughs> Let's instead take the rest of the show seriously. Lord. Cutting Stoneheart was really stupid. It just was. I mean, like, they, like, yeah, you're right. Like, they already dug the Stoneheart-shaped hole, and they just kind of left it there for everyone to trip into. You know? Just, what are you going to do with a fucking brother without banners now? They didn't have to do anything. Like, where do Edmures go, you know? Yeah. Why did they bring the Brotherhood back? last year for this just because sandor like had beef with them before so they thought it'd be significant they could have had brienne team up with sandor for this they really could have you know yeah and at least that would have given her something to do i'm not saying it would have been good but but like you know before they were enemies and now they're like it would have been much better it would have been much better (laughs) uh not good but much better Yeah, because honestly, like, Beric and Thoros are just not very good characters, the way they're written. No. I mean, like, Beric also even has the... an incredible voice, but other than that... Yeah, I mean, e- even in the books, like, they're not yeah. that fleshed out. They're fine. Yeah. They serve their function. But, you know, the, that rests on the Lady Stoneheart thing coming. And that's where that leads. This is just leading to nowhere. They're just going north to go north. then that sure was a <sighs> podcast you just listened to <laughs> i mean like okay so we're into season four of our rewatch project the wars to come uh-huh. yeah and i like gilly more and more with every we watch like i just find her <laughs> delightful and she like like the script has no idea whether she's passive or assertive so she just kind of like swings from one to the other and i find that oddly endearing 
and yeah it's like relatable girl yeah like there was this whole thing like this the recent episode we watched where like sam is like you can't stay at the wall because rapists so i'm going to take you to live in this brothel and gilly was like okay sam but like she's just like she's clearly not happy about it at all and he never at any point asks her like how she feels about it so she's kind of like vaguely passive aggressive at him and she has this like newborn that she's toting around and and bonnie is there it, okay, I'm sorry. That lady did not look like Anne Bonnie. She looked she like some s- kind of pirate. She looked like a pirate and she sounded like Anne Bonnie, but she did not look like, like, she did not look like Clara Patchett. It was absolutely lovely. She was like very purposely, like they gave her a glue on unibrow yeah. and stuff. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that the more that I think about Sam, the less I like Sam and the more I like Gilly. And especially, like, in this season, she's just so endearing with her, like, love of learning and shit, you know? Just, she yeah. should be the one getting the degree, goddammit. I still say coming off the rewatch, even even into season four, where it's, like, starting to get pretty sloppy and bad in places, mm-hmm. it is jarring to watch season seven yeah. and see how slowly everything moves and how dumb everything is. I mean, like, is. in season four, like, all the pornish scenes, I have to stop every 20 seconds just to be like... <sighs> And then press play again. Oh, yeah. In season seven, I have to do that with like every scene. Yeah, in season seven, I'm just rocking back and forth. Yeah. <sighs> the things like, we I do for that, you guys. I, I rewatched part of that pit scene today so that I could splice <laughs> it with "You Say Run" because I think that that's the funniest meme. And I thought it was hilarious to put this epic music next to like non-action. <laughs> Julia didn't think it was very funny. I, I just don't get it. I'm hilarious. I don't. Care. I think you're hilarious, dear. But even just rewatching the footage to be like, okay, what time does Sandor slowly schlep the backpack mm-hmm. out? It was like, oh my god, what am I doing? The only anyway. good thing about that was that this is one point where like Cheryl looks at Larry and she just has her look on her face and just like, I can feel myself aging. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, guys, we are going to give you part two of the podcast in a few days. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have some concluding remarks about season seven in that podcast. Yes. So hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, definitely check out Sam and Miscellaneous. I think it's Sam drops out of school and, and other, other fairly, fairly stupid, stupid tales. Yep, for anyone who's read the Stinky Cheese Man. I'm sure that's everyone. That's for you. I'm sorry, that was quality. Everyone should read that immediately. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, thank you so much for listening to us blather about very insignificant plot lines this whole time. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you guys next time. We love you all. Bye. Bye. No. 15,782. Guess how many windows are in the Great Sept of Baylor? None anymore. That's true. This high Septon Maynard, he recorded everything. He even recorded his own bowel movements. What does annulment mean? It's when a man sets aside his lawful wife. 
Maynard says here that he issued an annulment for Prince Ragger and remarried him to someone else at the same time in a secret ceremony in Dawn. Is that a common thing in the South? These maesters. They set me to the task of preserving that man's wind accounting and annulments and bowel movements for all eternity, while the secret to defeating the Night King's probably sitting on some dusty shelf somewhere, completely ignored. But that's all right, isn't it? We can all become slavering, murderous imbeciles in thrall to evil incarnate, as long as we can have access to the full records of High Septon Maynard's 15,782 shits! Steps. That number was the steps. <laughs> 